0: Man, it's good to see this big group here this morning. And for those of you online, I really appreciate our online community. I get to see them every about every week, and we have some faithful, faithful people that are online every week, or they're here—one of the two. And I'm very thankful that you are all joined us. I hope you still stay with us. Jeff's preaching in just a little bit. Okay, <laughs> Jeff's gonna speak in just a few minutes, so please stay with us. No, um, I am very thankful to be able to do that, and. Also, all the people that work in that box, there's a lot that goes on in that box back there to make the stream go out, to make the sound sound awesome, to make the screens work. Um, I would think I'd speak for Jeff and say, once the sermon's going, I hope the screens are right, because I'm not thinking about those any longer. And I'm thankful that we have people that do that, thankful for those that are every single week involved in that. So let's go to Psalm 25, if you're not already there, if you go with me there. Now, let me tell you my approach to this a little bit, because I know there's Lord's Supper and other things going on as well. We're definitely not going to go through verse by verse for 22 verses this morning, so we can all take a collective breath, okay? There's a show on Smithsonian Channel, okay? I don't know if you have that, but it's, uh, it's Aerial View, All it is is a a copter and probably some drones just going over a city or a town, all right? And somebody talking in the background, kind of giving you the view. That's really our our approach today to Psalm 25. We're going to go over the top of it a little bit. We're going to take some truths from it, of course, okay? But we're not going to go verse by verse this morning. We're going to kind of hit different spots along the way even. We're not going to go all the way through it. But I still, in this aerial view, I really believe... We'll see the truth that God has for us, and Lord willing, it'll be something that will absolutely help us today and going forward. A little background on Psalm 25: it's written penned by David. We're not exactly sure when he did this. You'll get the feeling from the psalm and the distress from some of the things he talks about, though, that he's definitely dealing with enemies. In the there's 22 verses in this psalm. We're going to read the whole just to get the whole picture of it. But it's done in an acrostic. In the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22 letters, and this is there's 150 psalms. Psalm 25 is one of nine where it's kind of built, where the first word is built off the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes its way down. In this particular psalm, 20 of the 22 letters make it, but there's a there may be some reasons for that. First of all, it gives it some organization. This psalm is a prayer, okay? Being a prayer. I believe it was written so it would be memorized. If it's organized in such a fashion as an acrostic, it makes it a little easier to, maybe write, to memorize. Of course, this could have been sung as well, but you'll hear from David's English and really confidence that this is a prayer. So let's take a, the, the approach that David is going to go through this psalm in guided, he's looking for guidance and teaching and guidance and learning. So, Psalm 25. Let's go through this. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult or rejoice over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Verse 4. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make to me, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. And we'll shift a little bit. That's the first seven. Now we're going to shift a little bit. Verse eight. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is this man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. I love this next phrase. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Now again, back to another shift. We had that 8 to 15. That was a little bit of a shift. Now we're going back a little bit. Turn me, verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame. For I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. That was all personal. Now as we go to verse 22, he expands it. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. David, who wrote Psalm 1, now is looking back in more of a retrospective. He's a little older now. He's had some transgressions, some sins. In fact, we know some of those, right? I mean, they would have been, if there was social media or... Entertainment tonight back then. It would have been big deals. It would have been trending things. The, the sin that he had. But now years later, as he writes this, there's several things that come, come back again and again. First of all, he's still being surrounded by enemies. But those enemies aren't just the enemies around him. They're the enemies with, inside of him, himself. He's still dealing with some of those same attitudes that he had when he had those transgressions. In this particular psalm, though, there is a mature, almost quiet confidence. It's the football player or the basketball player who doesn't really, no matter what the score is, they're on the same page, the same way, the same effort. They're not rattled, right? I'll tell you who I think displays that really well on an everyday basis. If you ever drive I-85, I am so impressed with truck drivers, with all the things that they have to deal with. Again, it's that steady hand. And David now, having some years under his belt, some experiences, is looking back in more of a retrospective viewpoint. In this prayer, we're going to find encouragement, instruction that will help us grow our faith. Last week. Let me just say, I think this has happened before. This isn't planned. This is the Lord. It's really amazing. Last week, Pastor Jeff asked us, when was the last time we had an answer to prayer? And our first point this morning is going to tie right in kind of with that out of this passage. David is surrounded by enemies. He's feeling guilt from past sin. You can sense that anguish. However, let's not miss this first point. Number one today Christians, we should pray with confidence that God will hear and listen to our prayers to them. We should pray with confidence that God will hear and he will listen. We can look in verse 3, but let's, let's take a peek. Uh, indeed, if you look in verse 3, none of who, w- who wait for you shall be put to shame. We're going to talk about that word in just a minute. They'll be shamed who are wantonly treacher- treacherous, but look down at verse 12 for a moment. Listen to this confidence, though. Who is the man who fears the Lord? I don't believe he says that. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. No. Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. There's just a a baseline of confidence in his prayer that God's going to hear him, but God's also listening. Now, when I think of hearing and listening, I think of my grandfather who passed away many years ago, but we go to his house, and it was the type of deal you pull up in his driveway, open the door, and you can hear News 4 blaring out as loud as possible, and you're like at least 30 or 40 feet away, okay? I mean, he had significant hearing problems. So you'd open the door, and you'd have to get right up to him, and you'd say, hey, and you know, he's going to be startled. Oh, hey, you know, look at you like that. I can relate to some hearing issues, though. But one time, me and him, would, we would, he would go outside. He'd be, he spent more time outside than he did inside. I'd go out just like to hear him tell stories, talk to him. And I asked him, I said, so really, how bad is your hearing? He said, I can hear. I'm just not listening. Now, I think there are women in here that probably can relate to that if you're married. Um, They hear me. They're just not listening. And I said, so wait a minute, though. My mother would literally get into his ear and almost shout. Like, I'd be kind of cringe about the whole thing. And he said, yeah, I just let her do that. (laughs) I'm like, what? Right? You know, at 2 a.m. in the morning... 330. When you go to God, He doesn't just hear us, He listens. Man, what access. What access. David being, again, we talked about enemies from within. We're going to get to those in just a moment, but the enemies around him, feeling hopelessly alone. No, He has confidence that when I go to God, He'll listen. Some of us are verbal enthusiasts, we like to talk. Okay? I was here um, uh, this week. Josh made the comment, man, I just think you're on your phone all day talking to somebody. Yes, I like to use my phone, I like to wear out a battery, but you know, we can go to God every single moment of every day and we're in right relationship with him. He not only hears us, but he listens. Now right now, where we are in society and in the world, they're begging for somebody to listen to them and they don't understand God's right there. He's a prayer away. We as believers need to get that too though. I think there are times, and by, by the way, in the midst of making David, we don't want to make him look so unbelievably amazing that we can't attain the same faith because we absolutely have the faith. And in fact, it, we have the Holy Spirit, which he didn't have access to in the Old Testament that reveals light to the word, but also communicates with us. We shouldn't make this that it's impossible to attain. No, if we're in a right relationship with God, there ought to be conversations that just happen throughout the day. You shouldn't be always just talking to ourselves or involved in some kind of busyness, but a confidence to know that I can go to God. We should not pray with a weak attitude. I think sometimes we go to the Lord in prayer, and it's almost like, okay, I have to do this. I'm supposed to pray about this, so I will do it. And it's, re- it's more remote, it's just something to check off a box. I mean, that's a real privilege to go to God in confidence. Psalm 147, 11. I think it's in your notes you may on the screen. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope, in his steadfast love. Your next line there is, the words we use in prayer reveals the depth of our relationship with God. This confidence that David has in prayer, I don't believe happens overnight. It's a consistent time with God. I hope you have a consistent time with the Lord. If it's just on Sundays and Wednesdays, you're spiritually starving. I'll ask our children even, those that say they know the Lord, I'll ask, so when's the last time you're in your Bible or, or in your Bible at least two or three times a week beyond just Sunday and Wednesday? But are you, are you talking to God? And you ask a, and you ask a six-year-old, Talking to God, that almost scares them a little bit, right? Because God's way up here. And he, great judgment in dealing with God. God's our Father. I, I asked him, I said, How often do you talk to your mom and dad? You can talk to God that way. In fact, many times we get all flowery with our prayers. God knows what we're thinking here. By the way, God knows what we're thinking when we, when we hide it from him and hold it from Him. That you have a certain feeling or a certain attitude, and yet in our prayer is totally different. That isn't real. That isn't confidence. That's like going to God like you're scared of him. There's a real depth of relationship. And again, this is a time thing. We have to take the time. This isn't the first prayer between God and David. David had visited the throne room of God often. And again, in this retrospective, he uses several words here, shame. Now, the way the Bible looks at shame and ashamed is as very differently than we would interpret that word. It's, it's important. In fact, the primary biblical use isn't even in our dictionaries, okay? When we speak of being ashamed, we usually mean being embarrassed or maybe feeling foolish. That's not the same spirit here. There's a connect—the the the biblical idea connected with shame is the idea of being let down or Disappointed. Or having trusted in something that in the end wouldn't prove to be worthy of our trust, go back and look at that at that section real quick, in verse three. Really, be there. Or really, we can read the whole thing. Indeed, none of who wait for you shall be put to shame, shall be disappointed. Okay, They'll, but they shall be. A, they will be disappointed who are wantonly treacherous. That's multiple times that said and said. And in this confidence that David has in prayer, the reason he's confident. That's because he knows God's gonna come through. Hey, there's not a lot of people who come through, right? Right now, somebody in your, somebody in your family's come to your mind. Yep, that, this, this dude never comes through, right? There's not a time we can go to God and he doesn't come through. For Christians, there is the assurance, this is your next note, that by faith in Christ, we come to possess a hope that will never disappoint. As parents, one of the things that I never wanted to see, or even in the classroom, when believe it or not, I taught like 37th and 8th graders, I never wanted to disappoint these people. You know, if we, made, if we said, we're going to do this, you wanted to follow through. You see Romans 5, 1 to 5 on, your, uh, on, the, on the screen, and I believe it, that one's not in your notes. We're going to read all five verses, but really there's one phrase I want to talk about for one second. And, and by the way, if you want a whole view on Romans, go to our website. All you got to do is search. We've got all the, the entire series that Pastor preached on that. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, though. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, I almost feel the confidence in this verse, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Here's our phrase and hope does not put us to shame. Our hope's not in vain, it's not worthless. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, we build things up. I, I, I typically can do that. I like to build. Like, I, I love the build up. But man, if you build, we can't build heaven up enough. Honestly, we can't build our relationship with God enough. There's no end to it, and there's no growth point where it just stops. All these verses all mean that those who have staked their all in God will not be abandoned by him. I'm sure David was a man, okay? I'm sure there were moments, God, I'm out here by myself. I'm in a cave. This is my life. I'm constantly on the run. But you see David's faith. We live in a right now society. No waiting. I want to write this moment. I want it quick. Our patience can be trying just to wait for a website to upload. In fact, they tell us that you you and I make a decision on a website in 0.6 of a second. There's barely half a second me and you've decided if we're going to stay on that website or not. We're not patient. Our next note here. When it comes to prayers, patience is absolute prerequisite. Patiently waiting on God to answer our prayers reveals our level of trust in God. You see, verse 3, we've looked at that. I want to look at verse 5, though. Verse 5, it says, at the end of that verse, for I wait all the day long. He may have been desperate. There may have been some anguish in some of the terminology here, but he was just confidently waiting. Some of us have requests that we'll pray for, we feel like a long time that we don't see the end maybe that we want to see. Let me encourage you. Don't quit. Hey, there's family members that don't know the Lord yet, and we don't know what the Lord's plan is for that person. We shouldn't quit praying for them. If there's issues, that's just the way he is or the way she is. I'm not talking about women, of course, I mean your wives. They're amazing. But, of course, she may say, that's just the way he is. No, he doesn't have to be that way. The Spirit of God can change him, so please don't quit. Dave, can you imagine if David had just quit? We wouldn't have these Psalms. We wouldn't have all the whole story of David because he'd be dead. And in this particular passage, we don't even see the answer to the prayer. But we do know David was delivered from his enemies. Just not from this passage. David had to patiently wait for God. And he may, he may be asking you in your prayer not to lose confidence, don't to, not to lose confidence, don't lose faith, but keep praying. He's definitely in a treacherous situation, stressful. Man, with all the technology and everything that's with us today, our stress is unbelievable. In children, teenagers, experiencing stress that I don't think even 20 years ago was the same. And after writing, this is the same person who penned Psalm 1, right? Right? the tree by the, by the water that's fully grown and, it's, and is the mature Christian. Even David himself struggled with that and looking back and said, whoa, wait a minute, I know I pinned that, but man, living that's a whole different thing. And David displayed a confident patience in his prayer. He was confident. Christians should pray with confidence that God will hear and listen to them. Listen, Todd, this entire psalm has a very confident spirit to it. Now, he has, from going forward, he will talk about learning about God's character. Verse number two today. When, and again, it's a shift here. So you hear this, this plea and this confidence, and now we're going to shift just a little bit. In number two, we learn perseverance in difficult times by learning and understanding the character of God. You say, oh, I know that. I knew that. You have to tell me that today. There's a difference in learning and understanding, though, right? Um, I'm not the best at putting things together, even with directions, right? But if you give me enough time, a long time, longer than whatever it says. If it says 30 minutes, I'm a 90-minute probably, okay? (laughs) Right? But if you follow those directions long enough, and like, by the way, there's something amazing when you're putting something together and it's done. You just sit there like, man, I'm the man. I just did that, Right? (laughs) Right? But here's the difference in learning and understanding, right? Now not to go tell somebody else to put that together. Oh, well, wait a minute. I couldn't, put, I couldn't have to do it myself. There's a, completely diff, there's a completely difference in being able to teach a subject, ask our teachers, and then being a student yourself. It's one thing to learn about who God is. It's a totally different deal to teach others. The character of God gives us strength and power to endure difficulties. And David knew difficulty, even in the midst of hardship. So we're going to go through a few character traits of God. These aren't exhaustive. These are just really just from this passage in Psalm 25. And many of these you'll be like, oh, I know that. In fact, I almost wish we'd take the approach, when's the last time we experienced this particular character trait? So now our first one there is God is faithful. Verse 3, verse 10, all the, I'll do verse 10. All the paths of God of the Lord are steadfast in love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and testimonies. God is faithful. Hey, I don't know what's in front of you. Look, there have been years in our, in our marriage where if you look at the end of the year and the things that were paid... And you look at what came in during tax time. You're like, these don't make sense. The God just delivered. Times if you open a, open a door. I remember being in Georgia in our first really place of ministry. It was a totally different deal and setup there. We'd open a a pantry. Yep, <laughs> it's kind of empty. And you're like, well, and, and in those times, it's scary. How are you going to get this bill paid? How are you going to take this next step? And you can look back in your life, no matter your age, for the, long, for the t- time you've known the Lord, and just think about the moments God's been faithful. Our second one really found also in verse 4 and verse 5. God is characterized by truth. Oh, man, the world is searching for that. Mm. Verse 5, lead me in your truth and teach me. Think about this. This is David who penned large portions of Scripture. Many people would say, oh, that's my favorite person in the Bible. And here he humbly is saying, teach me, Lord. Teach me. He's older, and he's saying, teach me. Characterized by truth. There's no fake news in the Bible, right? We don't have to be concerned about what we're reading, right? And we should be communicating that to this community that what we hold is the truth that will change their need to search for truth. Our next one, God is merciful and loving. You say, that's obvious. Yeah, but there are times we don't feel that way. There are times you feel alone. Like, man, I don't know that I feel God's even around or available. And here David says in verse six, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, unwavering, unfaltering. By the way, we should live that out. We should be characterized by that. I'll tell you a fast moment when I wasn't that. Yesterday morning. There are times, and look, I love people. People energize me. Some people, some people it's the opposite. Having been around people kind of just, sets you down. Man, I get excited being around people. Okay. (laughs) Yesterday morning we were out and we saw some friends of ours. And uh, we got to talking a little bit, and they knew I was preaching uh, next day, um, today. And I said, you know, we were all kind of dressed in incognito, like in ways we wouldn't really be dressed anywhere else. And they kind of noticed that. And they said, uh, so we, we talked a little bit, and I said, you know what? I just don't want to see anybody today. <laughs> I want to be able to go from point A to point B to point C and get through this day without having to talk or see anybody. And the minute I said that, and by the way, I said I was preaching the next day. She looked at me, and she goes... Hmm. Like uh, whatever her standard for the pastor was was not was not met, <laughs> right? And I thought I was like, oh man, you know, you know, I'm glad we can go to God and He's not that way. When when we when and He understands. Look, Lord, I don't really want to deal with anything right now. God's like, come to me. My burden's light. I'm gonna give you rest. Merciful, yes, He's very merciful. Now, verse 8 is a key one. So God is good and just. Verse 8 says, good and upright is the Lord. This is really awesome, okay? This is written, of course, completely before the time of Christ. They were looking to the Messiah, right? But good and just cannot happen together. Only God can be good and just but really, it's one more step, only because of the Messiah is God good and just. No matter how low your account is at the bank, right, or how much food you don't have or do have, or how rich you may be, when it comes to God, we're all empty. We're all over, overdrawn. And David knew there is going to be a time a messiah's coming that will... It's a significant combination because God's revelation to us in this area, we cannot see that how God can be both good and upright. And, God, and David knew at some point, this Christ is coming. We've experienced it. There should be a difference. There should be humility because of that in how we deal with others, how we deal with our own family, both spiritually speaking and the people in your home. Christ who satisfied the justice of God by willingly going to the cross. David is actually foreshadowing some of that in verse 8. That is such a cool verse that he, that much truth is just pushed into that. The next one there is God is forgiving. A little taste of that's in verse 11. And this really is a key verse to the whole chapter. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Getting forgiveness from God really is just in a moment, right? Getting right, praying and asking, and he gives. But guilt is human. And, And think about, again, the things that David did. But I really believe now, we as believers, there can be sin that we can't just get over, it seems like. We've received forgiveness of it we can't forget it. That's a work of the devil. It really is. And let me encourage you too. The more you are in scripture, the more that this prayer, like we talked about, this conversation happens, I will tell you some relief can take place. But even a great man like David dealt with us, I can promise we deal with those things too. In his commentary, and I'm going to read you the story. This is so pertinent to what this is about. In his commentary on Psalms, Ironside tells of visiting a very old Christian. The man was about 90 years old. He had lived a godly life. However, in his last days, again, 90 years old, in his last days, he sent for Ironside because, as he expressed it, everything seemed so dark. Ironside asked him, whatever do you mean by that? You have known the Lord for nearly 70 years, seven decades. You've lived for him for a long, long time. You've helped others. What do you mean it's dark? The man replied, in my illness, since I've been lying here so weak, my memory keeps bringing up the sins of my youth, and I can't get them out of my mind. They keep crowding up upon me, and I can't help but think of them. They make me feel miserable and wretched. Wretched. Again, this is past sin that he's received forgiveness of. Ironside turned to this psalm and read it. And after he read the words, he read it, he said, when you came to God 70 years ago, you confessed your sin. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. Do you remember what happened then? He was so down and kind of clouded, he couldn't even remember. Your sins, God said, your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more if God has forgotten them why would you even ask about them the man relaxed and replied I'm an old fool remembering what God has forgotten he found peace he said I'm an old fool for remembering what God has forgotten I don't know what sin you committed it wasn't so great that Jesus couldn't cover it right We've got two more in this section here. God is gracious in verse 16. It says, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. From Romans 5.20, I think that's even on your sheet there. Now the law came, in, came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. For all the negative that David's feeling, and the abandonment almost to a degree, God's grace was sufficient let me tell you, it is. If you've been wake, woke up in the middle of the night and you've been reminded of a past sin, right? God's grace is sufficient. If you have a child or someone in your life, deal if some family member dealing with, with, um, with sin and there's nothing you can do about it, I'm so thankful God's grace is sufficient. I'm thankful that even in spite of ourselves, he still uses us and works, works with us. Listen, I could spend a long time telling you my, my de- deficiencies and issues. And David, and I will tell you, I, where I relate to David in Psalm 25 is I believe the greatest battle is not those people around him, it's in his mind. It's in his mind. That's one of those things. We were at um, the elders re- um, retreat last year, and one phrase that I cannot get over is not just dying daily, but man, dying hourly, just dying to self over and over and over again. And if you deal with some, with some mental stress between your ears, things that, you're, that constantly seem to cloud you, let me encourage you, you've got to go back and die again. And it may, need to ha- it may need to happen several times over and over again. I'll tell you how I came to this particular passage for the today. I didn't know it at the time. Riley sent me a text. I mean, excuse me, me and Riley were talking, and I could just feel he was kind of down. So sometime during the school day, he can't access his phone, just also be clear, I have his phone so we can access him at all times. But um, we can, he can access his phone. I sent him this psalm. I had read it earlier and was thinking about it the day before and just read it again and thought about it again and again. And I sent it to him because it, it was actually struggling a little bit in his mind. And I thought, how common to me and you struggle in our mind. And yet this passage has the answer. Next line there is, God is powerful to rescue his people And this is my favorite part. We can take refuge in him. Verse 20. The very last, let me not be put to shame. For I take refuge in you. When I think of that, you can always, if you you want to study later on in the week, you can put Psalm 91 right beside that. It talks about the secret place, a place to hide. When you're six foot four and this size, hiding is very difficult. You can always kind of be seen, unfortunately. But you know what? I can go to God and hide. And, and I'm not so large or so big that God can't cover me. We can take refuge. Refuge is a place of rest. Let me say how rest can, how rest can take place even in a, in a decade or a century, a day where everything is right in front of us in our pockets all the time. Many times we can get rid of all that stuff, put it aside. Maybe disconnected from it completely. Many times we forget because our situation looks so big in the moment and insurmountable that we can take refuge. Now, point three really is kind of like the wrap-up. It's not as much a specific point to the message. We're going to wrap this whole thing up and put a bow around it, okay? So at the same time when we're giving these notes, we're also going to be looking at applications straight from what we've talked about. The following attitudes of the heart. Number three: In order to anticipate blessings, we need to approach God in prayer with the following four attitudes. So we started out with confidence in prayer. We moved to some attributes we can rely and just sink our teeth and str- I mean um, land in. And now we're going back and we're going to finish this up with the following four attitudes. Now I gave you basically four words for this. A couple of notes on each one. I don't know, on two of them. But this is more for you to kind of fall through what this actually means. Number one, one of the first attitudes we had to go to God, according from this Psalm 25, is humility. In verse 9, it says, He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. David reveals the need for instruction that cannot be successful without help from God. David admits that he has to be taught. I would, that would have been a humbling admission. But you know, there's no promise. I believe this is your next note. There's no promise in the Bible that God will teach an arrogant person. In fact, it's the opposite. There's no promise in the Bible that God's going to teach an arrogant person. John, James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Think about David killing thousands of people, right? He was a champion, a champion of champions. He probably looked great too, for that matter. You know those types. Everything kind of works out. If anybody, right? If anybody could have said, I don't have to be humble. But here we see a completely different side of David. While he was a rugged man's man, warrior, right? He was clothed in humility. Number two, the next attitude well, we need to have an attitude of obedience. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast. This is verse 10, steadfast love and faithfulness. But here's the little key for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. The reason we don't have instruction about who God is or knowing, or knowing anything about the Lord is we're not or knowing even beyond, going a step further, having some depth, is we're not obedient to things we know to do. And that doesn't just apply to kids. That absolutely applies to, to adults. Um, Tom Rainer says, Tom Reiner was with Lifeway for years and years and years. I follow him. I like his, He does a lot of statistics-based, a lot of study-based. He says 35% of those who were attending before the pandemic are never coming back. Never. Now, I know, listen, there are people that are absolutely dealing with this pandemic and need to be away. Okay, so we're not talking about somebody that's live streaming and, Lord willing, we'll, when the time opens for them. But he says three in ten, or almost four in ten, are never coming back. Well, wh- why were they here to begin with? Apparently, they, obviously it wasn't out of obedience. It wasn't out of the need of family, community. Now, I pray, and I don't necessarily believe that. that'll be the case with Graceview. But that also means there's going to be a whole lot more people at home on Sundays. Wednesdays, time when the doors are open, which means it's even greater to the point that we ought to be right with God. So when we're out and about in this community, we can still extend and show them grace. Number three is reverence. So that's in verse 12 and verse 14, okay? The way we approach God reveals our heart toward God. The friendship of the Lord, I'm going to read verse 14 for you. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. Verse 12, a few verses back, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct the way that he should choose. There's a certain way that we should approach God. Now, we talked about this idea that you can have a, a conversation with the Lord throughout the day. And that's, that's building relationship. But it, again, pretty clear here. We don't need to access God in a flippant manner. He's not a genie where we rub and get our wishes met for us. No. He's the one that allows us to breathe the breath that we're currently breathing. There ought to be not only this humility and obedience, but we got to have a reverence. Only, and you know what? Only God knows our attitude in this. Did you know there are times we can appear like we got it all together? And maybe we're in front of some Christians. and Man, we just sound like we're so humble, right? Man, that's, that's got to be a superstar Christian there. But God knows our heart that we may not even be spiritually and mentally where we are physically. David has a real sense of reverence here. The final one, I'll admit this is kind of one of my favorites, is expectation. Man, verse 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Now, I love, let me caveat this, I love good surprises, okay? I don't really like typically surprises I'm not really prepared for in the sense of being bad, but I mean, I love good surprises. There have been times with our kids We'll set something up where it's just like, where I can see like a video of the perfect surprise, right? Sometimes it's like, man, yeah. And other times it just kind of fell completely flat, right? But there's something about expectation. Then there are other times we say, hey, listen, we're going to go do this or we're going to go here, but it'll, it'll be a little while. It'll be a time for that. And then there's the build-up that leads to that moment. Maybe it's a theme park or something that we have expectation for. I believe the older a Christian gets in the Lord, there can be, here's the caution, there can be the mentality, I'm going to pray for this, but I know it's not going to happen. People who struggle with being melancholy can struggle with that too. Okay, look, I know I'm supposed to do this. So Lord, here, I'm going to pray about it, but you know my heart in this, I don't really believe you're going to follow through. David's in vast distress but his eyes never left, the Lord. My eyes are ever toward you. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter that mentally I may be going through some personal anguish. My eyes are on you. I'm expecting that you're going to deliver. That's this, whole, that's this whole passage. It's actually very encouraging to know that God, if we go to God, he's going to deliver. Not everything's like that. Hey, Amazon can't deliver in two days anymore. You know? right? That was their big thing. We'll get it to you in two days. No, not anymore. You and I can't, you and I ought to go to God expecting him to deliver because he will. David looking back and all the sin that David did and all the issues David had, he still expected God to deliver. Now think about this tomorrow morning at work. This Monday, right? Weekend's over we got five full days in front of us. Man, it's hard to live expectantly, isn't it? Sometimes it's like, look, I just want to get through it. If I can just get from 8 to 5 or whatever your time is, and when that bell rings at the end of the day, we can get out. But God's got something great for us. We may not experience it right then. He may be testing our faith. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Did you know that God desires that we would have an experience, have a spirit of expectation, expecting him to do great things? Did you know this saying, God, when we ask for forgiveness, gives it to us? And if we even, I believe if we ask, Lord, help me to forget, he'll grant that. What about you when you pray? Do you believe, honestly, if it was just you and me right here? Actually, if it's just you and God, because he knows. Do you pray expecting God to deliver? Do you find yourself remembering those things that God has forgiven but that you can't forget? I'm going to encourage you, memorize Psalm 25 and then go ahead and get 26 because it kind of piggies right on the back of that. Do you pray with confidence? Do we pray expecting God to do great things? What is your attitude toward God when you're in a situation that he can only deliver you from? Sometimes it takes us a little bit of time to realize that's the situation we're in. Because, man, we try and work so hard, and yet only God can deliver. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. I'm going to pray. You know, more than anything this morning, I really wanted us to reflect on God's goodness But maybe your eyes have been drifting recently. Hey, it'd be easy. Turn on the news. It's about time that if we're going to do something great in this community, that our eyes better be on God. They better be toward the Lord. When's the last time you confidently went to Him? Maybe you need to do that right now. And ask Him to do something that only He can do. Are you patient in your prayer life, persistent, Lord? I humbly admit we are not inadequate to do what you called us to do, Lord, I pray we would have a confident people here at Graceview, a family of faith sees you do great and mighty things not only in us Lord but through us God let us not seek personal gain in a situation Lord but I pray that we'll patiently and humbly go to you we thank you that you're a God that we can trust that you're a faithful God that you're merciful because Lord we need the mercy we need you Lord Lord this community needs you. Lord, I'm so thankful for this family. What a blessing they are. Lord, even to see them this morning was just a blessing. It really encourages you. Lord, I pray because of your word that we'll be mature Christians that seek and desire to know and understand more of you. Today, Lord, and through the week and in our community.